We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're reacting to week three of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz, ready to break down the action that we've seen thus far in week three. We're recording this on Monday night during the Eagles and Cowboys game. Uh, but before we get into the actual review for this week, we wanted to take a couple of seconds here and uh, mention the unfortunate passing of Mike Tagli Air. Um, a fantasy pros who, by all accounts, was one of the most well-liked, most respected individuals in all of the fantasy industry. It's been pretty incredible, though, Curtis, to see the GoFundMe that got started for um, his two children and his wife for his family already reached $365,000. Uh, just a testament to the person that he was and also how fantastic a uh, fantasy community is to raise that much in just a single weekend. So pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't, it's, uh, that, that, uh, that news was pretty hard to kind of swallow, um, over the weekend. I've talked a little bit about, you know, on the show, uh, you know, my daytime work, uh, as a healthcare executive, um, I'm a vice president of a, a large hospital and, um, I've been dealing with, with COVID, you know, since the start, obviously I've seen, you know, the waxing and waning of, uh, the various iterations of the pandemic and, you know, this hits close to home. I mean, Tags and I are, you know, about the same age and uh, had a chance to get to know him and spend time with him uh, in person at the Kings classic over the years and um, talk about some non-football stuff and, you know, to see someone at age 39, you know, die so young. Um, it's just a reminder, man, life is precious. And uh, you know, tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. And, um, you know, so much respect for, you know, what Mike brought to the industry. I mean, so many of his interactions were positive and, uh, he, you know, his legacy speaks for itself. I mean, you won't find anyone speaking in a word of, of what he meant to the community. Um, and, uh, you know, my heart goes out, uh, to Tabby, you know, and his children. And, you know, like, like you said, what the industry has done, you know, stepping up all of his fans, 
Um, the other, uh, you know, competing, obviously, uh, competition kind of dies, uh, in, in situations like this and, and you put those things aside and, um, you just pull together. And I mean, that's still, it, it won't, none of this will replace Mike, but it speaks to his legacy and to give his family, you know, a gift where, um, they're looked out for, for the next couple of years, um, is, is pretty incredible. So, um, thank you to our listeners. I'm sure many of you, um, donated to the GoFundMe. Um, obviously many of us here at, at Rotoviz did as well. Um, and, uh, I think what we can take away here, um, from Mike and his impact is just to treat each other, you know, respectfully, um, stay positive, um, kindness always prevails. Um, and, and that's really, you know, how we should manage our interactions with one another moving forward. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so always hard to segue out of something like that. Uh, but we definitely did want to mention that, uh, and encourage everybody. If you haven't, if you were a fan of Mike, uh, go to the, the, uh, GoFundMe. You can find the link out there. I'm sure, um, at fantasy pros, think about donating. And on that note, Curtis, uh, something a little bit more positive here. Let's get to the player of the week. What do you have for us? Okay. Um, yeah, it is, it's, it is a harsh segue. Um, but I, you know, I guarantee, uh, that, that, uh, the best thing that we can do to, to respect Mike is, uh, is start breaking down the game and, uh, you know, just like he would do. So, um, Mike Williams is my player of the week. Uh, Mike Williams, an afterthought, uh, late bloomer. It's all, it's kind of looking like maybe he, maybe he's going to have a Devonte Adams kind of, career arc at this point after so many years of, of waiting patiently for him to break out he to start the season i mean he's just absolutely on fire um four touchdowns in three games minimum of seven receptions in each game uh he's got 31 targets through three games uh nearly 300 yards receiving he's a focal point of the offense we talked this uh summer about his uh his pairing with Joe Lombardi and potentially getting that Michael Thomas role. It looks like he has the Michael Thomas role and he's doing like Michael Thomas stuff with it. Uh, so Mike Williams in week three as my player of the week, nine targets, uh, seven receptions for 122 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, that second one, obviously very key because it's the margin of victory over division rival Kansas city chiefs. So uh, Mike Williams looking like a very, very bona fide wide receiver one at this juncture of the season uh, good on you, Mike. And, uh, let's see if he can string together a few more. What do you think about that pick Dave? Well, I know that Matt Friedman would absolutely love it because he and I had been in a number of conversations before going back a couple of years now where he was always making the case that Mike Williams was a better receiver than Keenan Allen. Uh, so I always took the Keenan Allen side, uh, you know, perhaps there's a conversation <laughs> to, to open up yeah. now when you look and you see that on the year he actually, and this is, NFL expected points added. So a non-fantasy metric, but I do know that if you look at EPA, which tries to assign credit uh, or portions of credit to a player for every play that happens among wide receivers, he actually has the highest EPA coming actually among wide receivers and tight ends coming in ahead of guys like Travis Kelsey, Cooper cup, like you said, made a real tremendous impact in that game over the weekend with the, with the Chiefs. So I like it. Uh, and a weekend that had some really interesting performances. You know, the other name that I might have tossed out there, 
Peyton Barber, just because he comes in off of a lot of people's bench or waiver wire (laughs) to absolutely save things. You know, I had a team where couldn't turn towards Dalvin Cook Sunday morning, grad Peyton Barber, and he really delivered. So, uh, you know, another guy that could have gotten into the conversation there. Um, I know we're getting a little off the rails here, Curtis, but if Josh Jacobs is to miss more time, I think Peyton Barber is a really attractive option to have in lineups. Yeah, with with Las Vegas um, looking just uh, so top notch offensively, uh, it, it, for the reasons that people weren't the, the same reasons that some people weren't out on Jacobs, um, you know, kind of in like a Nick Chubb situation where you know he he gets a lot of the backfield carry share and should get a lot of the the runs from in close to the stripe. Those are the same reasons that Peyton Barber, you know, would be attractive. And for all the talk about the creative use of Kenyon Drake, the team hasn't really made good on that. Um, you know, he really looks to be uh, a change of pace back rather than, you know, the one B uh, in a committee. So, yeah, I, I think I have to agree. But, um, yeah, I, I think it might be a, a volume based, uh, low ceiling high week I don't even know high floor doesn't even sound right I think it would be a a high floor of of touches uh for Peyton Barber uh were Jacobs to miss uh material time so yeah that that's a good one to sneak in there but I can't lead off our first show of the week with Peyton Barber um just it just it's not going to keep the listeners so uh, I want a different direction all right that's fair enough which brings us into the snoozer of the week And the player here, it's not really the player's fault, but I am going to assign this to the Chicago Bears, in specific Matt Nagy, just to bring up Justin Fields. If you did not see this game and you just look at the box score, you're going to see 6 out of 20. But if you went back, you watched the shortcuts, even if you just watched some highlights, what you're going to see is a quarterback thrust into a situation where it felt like the team did really not anything to have a game plan that was going to work around him or try to help him out. Um, you know, n- no changes in the game really to speak of either to prevent him from getting rushed, to put him in an opportunity to make plays. So, you know, just a complete debacle finishes, like I said, six of 20 for around 68 yards, three rushes for 12 yards. Uh, but really the bears just let miles Garrett to Davion Clowney, you know, just like really control this game. And this game first start for fields it was pretty evident that they had just wait like you know it took a re- it took a long time for them to even turn fields direction and as far as you can tell they had done nothing to get ready for when it was his turn so if again if you're looking at the box score this should not deter you from fields especially long term in fantasy I don't think this had anything to do with his talent I'm sure you've probably already heard people on national media outlets talk about this uh, but from the fantasy perspective, I wouldn't be deterred. You could have the conversation and maybe Curtis, you have some thoughts on this about the implications of it within this season. If you're trying to play fields and redraft or something, but again, long-term on fields, this opening performance should not deter you. Yeah, it it's tough because I mean, I'm not one to begrudge someone their employment, but I think the handling of of the fields and the the Chicago Bears quarterback situation in the media today from Nagy. I mean, he did he did call out you know that that fields you know hand uh, is ouchy and we have to monitor him during the week. But he had every opportunity to squelch uh, any thoughts of a, a quarterback competition. You know, the plan was coming in. Andy Dalton's the starter. 
Dalton gets hurt, so they give Fields the ball. You could have either just b- before Fields start, you could have said, you know, just Justin is filling in, and when Andy's healthy, um, you know, he's he's getting the job back. And and then when you well, we pass the ball to Justin, and now you're like, okay, it's his team. You know, Dalton's out for a month. You know, Justin's going to have to get acclimated to the offense, and you know, we're falling in behind him. This is his job. He's our number one draft pick. Well, instead, he comes out today. He says any one of our three quarterbacks, you know, could be in play for Sunday. Um, you know, including Nick Foles in the conversation there. And and all you had to do is say, you know, when when Andy or Justin is our quarterback, it's their job. But when you don't say that, you know, now the media can creep in with the quarterback competition, and it's just reeks of a coach who knows he's on the hot seat. Um, no, you know, Ryan Pace is on the hot seat as the GM there seven years in and, and with a roster that's a little bit unimpressive. And so I do worry about fields if they don't make a coaching change. Um, if this team doesn't pick it up in the next, you know, two to three weeks, you know, we're, we're sitting here mid October and, you know, they've got four losses or so five losses under their belt and no clear plan offense isn't producing. And that's what Nagy's specialty is supposed to be. I do worry if they don't can him and move on because he, he would have every incentive as the head coach trying to keep his job to do what's in his best interest to stay employed versus worrying about developing the quarterback. Um, and so I'm a little, I'm, you know, I'm just, I am a little worried, not from a redraft perspective, but also from a dynasty perspective. I'm not going to overreact after one week, but let's see what happens. If fields is healthy and he doesn't start and they go to Nick Foles, Hmm. We're gonna we'll probably have to talk about this again next week because that that will send up uh, some alarms for me. All right, let's get to some game notes. Uh, we will start over in the NFC. I wanted to talk a little bit here, Curtis, about the Atlanta Falcons in particular, Kyle Pitts, because the Falcons. As a team, one and two right now, a bit of a slow start. We haven't seen any major performances from that team. I think that people might be a little bit underwhelmed with what they've seen from Pitts so far coming off a game yesterday, just two receptions for 35 yards. I do want to stress, though, that he's second on the team in targets among wide receivers and tight ends. I do have to concede, though, that that is slightly misleading because you actually have... (laughs) Feels weird to say this, but between the running backs, Cordero Patterson, which could make some sense, Mike Davis, both of them have actually recorded pretty substantial target totals with uh, 16 targets for Patterson, 17 for Davis. But the point here is when Matty Ice has been looking for a tight end or receiver, his second option has been Kyle Pitts. Um, Also, uh, he's tied for seventh in targets among tight ends right? And Whopper among tight ends. He actually also has the highest share of air yards among tight ends in the league. So all things considered, this is actually a pretty decent start for Kyle Pitts. Uh, He has zero touchdowns at this point in time, which has kind of prevented him from popping in some of the leaderboard you might look at in terms of fantasy points. But overall, I actually think it's a pretty solid opening just when you consider the fact that he's already playing this vital role in his offense. So, you know, maybe things start to click, things look a little bit better for him. Um, but I just wanted to throw this out there that, uh, you know, it hasn't been as bad for Kyle Pitts as some people might have, might think it is relative to what their expectations were, especially if they spent an early round draft pick on him. 
Yeah. So, so I, like I both agree and disagree. So Pitts is actually playing, I mean, he's doing quite well for a rookie tight end in his first three games. I mean, his, his, it, it's very difficult for me to make the transition to like 17 game season extra, extrapolations. <laughs> it's going to take, it'll take years for us to be able to do that math. It was so clean before with four quarters and, and all of that. Um, you know, but uh, through three games, his 16 game pace, which is how, you know, we're trained yeah. to think, um, would be something in the neighborhood of 60 receptions for 750 yards. I mean, that, those are stellar numbers for a rookie tight end. And the, the issue here is that people wanted to immediately assume he could come in and produce as a top four, top five uh, tight end. And I mean, to, to your point, I mean, when he's putting up long receptions um, and and he, some of that uh, dynamic, dynamicism is still showing up, you know, I think he could figure it out um, later in the year when they figure out, you know, what route concepts work the best. When is Ryan, you know, uh, when Ryan and he get their timing down, um, you know, all, all of that stuff will continue to improve over the course of the season. But he's doing quite well for rookie tight end. He's just not doing well compared, you know, to the veterans and some of the breakouts when you, you look at a guy like, TJ Hawkinson, who was <laughs> drafted basically right in the same area. Yeah. And then even Mark Andrews getting it together last week, uh, this or this past weekend here, it, what Pitts is doing does pale in comparison to the, to those two. And, and I think that's where the redraft expectation was. If I'm a dynasty, uh, manager with Pitts on my roster, I'm, I'm quite fine with what he's doing. I mean, it, there's no reason to change your opinion on what we've seen so far. Yeah, for sure. All right, Curtis, would you have me over, uh, in AFC territory? Well, let's stick with the Chargers. Uh, you know, I talked about Mike Williams as my player of the week, uh, but we also saw signs of life from Austin Eckler, which I think is a huge sigh of relief for uh, those who invested in him, you know, kind of in the, the early second round, um, even had some uh, believers at the end of the first there, um, finally kind of putting it all together. It did take a little bit of a shootout for it to happen, but um, saw 11 carries, uh, efficient on a per carry basis, uh, no big runs either, you know, just, uh, you know, long of 11, but did average five yards a carry this week. But what you like to see is the six receptions and the receiving touchdown uh, caught all six of his targets. Um, what's happening there with, with Eckler kind of breaking uh, back out. And then you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, obviously holding it down on the perimeter. Uh, unfortunately it's holding down Jared cook and, you know, Jared cook was a, a player that we liked a lot all summer. It's kind of a, a sleeper. He doesn't seem to be getting the projectable volume. I think he's going to have touchdown, you know, the little touchdown spikes. He basically looks like a run of the mill tight end two that we're not going to be able to depend on uh, based on usage so far, just three in a game where they scored uh, 30 points and, and uh, through 38 passes cook sees just three targets because of the concentration to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler. So, uh, you know, if, if you were on cook and you waited, you know, hopefully, you know, you're on some of these other tight ends who have, uh, broken out uh, a little bit and you can kind of stream matchups, uh, week to week. So, so what you're telling people there is I might've been a little bit overzealous on Jared cook and hopefully they didn't, uh, take what I said too much to heart and go on him real early. Um, I think going on him early, I don't think we were ever advocating for that. Yeah. I think we were advocating that Cook could have been, um, you know, Cook could have been a, a savvy way to get exposure to the high ceiling uh, potential breakout wide receivers uh, in the rounds where you have to take those guys. So taking yes. somebody like Henry Ruggs in round 10, um, uh, taking somebody like, you know, Devontae Smith, 
um, you know, uh, th- these are the players that we want to chase in these late single digit rounds or early double digit rounds rather than a tight end if we don't get the elite. So I think that piece was true. It's just that Cook hasn't necessarily yep. uh, made good on his his bet so far. Uh, in best ball, but you know, whatever we're gonna we're gonna get the production. Unfortunately, he just doesn't look like a trustworthy uh, weekly startable player at this point because th- this really should have been a smash spot for him. Um, against the the Kansas City Chiefs in a, in a game with a high total that actually made good on it. Uh, he just didn't see the usage. Yes. So I'm just going to pivot off of off of that direction <laughs> as quickly as we can. <laughs> but let's... <laughs> uh. I'm going to go over to a player that we liked, that we talked about, who has been absolutely smashing thus far. And is. that brings us into uh, the Los Angeles Rams in specific. Yeah. So... What I really wanted to focus on here was the vast difference of what we have seen from Cooper Cup and Robert Woods thus far. Uh, mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, among all wide receivers, arguably has had the best season thus far. 33 targets for Cup, just 19 for Woods. That's a target share for Cooper Cup of 35.5%. Woods is at 20.4%. So that's 25 receptions for Cup, just 11 for Robert Woods. The other crazy thing, Curtis. Cooper Cup has caught 76% of passes. Woods has caught just 58%. So there's a huge delta in touchdowns and yards. You have Mm. Cooper Cup at 367 yards. Robert Woods at 124. Five receiving touchdowns for Cup at this point. Just one for Woods. Air yards are a little bit closer, though. At 269 for Cup. 177 for Woods. Uh, Woods actually has the stronger ADOT by... 1.1 yards better racer for Cooper cup over Robert Woods. Also a much better whopper. Uh, So I bring this up because obviously it's awesome that cup has been doing great, but I do want to say that normally the highest target share you're going to see a receiver get at. And this is among like the mega alphas is around 31%. So that 35% actually above 35% right now that we see from cup that definitely will come down. I would be shocked if it doesn't come down to below 30%. So I think that it's safe to assume we see an uptick of at least three to 4% of target share for Woods, which gets him back into that seven or eight targets a game range. Overall though, the Rams looking like a very good team right now, definitely one of the front runners to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So I think that yeah, Cup, it's going to continue to be great. Probably not on this pace. Maybe you see somewhat of an uptick for Robert Woods. The real question is how much room is left now for a guy like Van Jefferson uh, to make his way into a larger role in the offense? At this point, target share of just 12.9%, tied with Tyler Higby, the team's tight end, uh, each with 12 targets overall. So a couple of things to unpack there. Uh, but yeah, real encouraging for Cooper Cup, a player that I think we can definitively say we did tell people to go and get. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm absolutely loving this. Uh, so yeah, we don't need to spend any more time on that. We spent plenty of time on them uh, this summer. Um, I, I think uh, the other thing here is, you know, Daryl Henderson uh, being out um, and, and Sony Michelle kind of being in th- that's maybe a target or two difference uh, per game in terms of uh, what the running backs see in the market share too. I, you know, if I, if I'm a Robert Woods manager, I can't even really be that mad about a 24, uh, 20.4 target market share. It's really only slightly below. I think both those guys typically ran in like the 22 to 24% range uh, the last several seasons. And so he's really not off pace. It's just that so mm-hmm. much of like what uh, the, like the Gerald Everett portion of the tight end shares are going, you know, to Cooper cups, like kind of one way to look at the vacated targets like Higby's role has not expanded and we've just kind of moved some of that other opportunity over to, you know, the best player in the offense at, at this point. So, yeah, that's super exciting. Uh, also really exciting to see, you know, Matthew Stafford just tearing it up, averaging, you know, over almost 315 passing yards per game, nine to one touchdown uh, to interception ratio. Uh, just yeah, the team's firing on all cylinders. Uh, makes me really excited to see uh, what our boy Daryl Henderson can do when he gets back in the lineup. I, I still think Michelle had a tough matchup, I think, against, uh, Tampa Bay, but he also didn't do anything to like separate whatsoever. Uh, I don't think that, you know, if, if McVay's comments uh, leading into week two were indeed true, that it's still Henderson's job and he's our guy. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with what he's doing. Michelle's basically insurance. I don't know that his performance against Tampa did anything to make the team kind of reconsider that stance. If Henderson misses another week and Michelle has an opportunity against a weaker opponent, you know, of course, things are subject to change, but I remain optimistic there. Uh, as long as we're on the Rams, uh, uh, optimistic on on Henderson's outlook after seeing Michelle this week. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with that. So why don't we head back over to the AFC? Uh, what other notes do you have for us? Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus in on a team that's home to a player, a rookie, uh, a first round rookie, Dave, that saw 19 targets. 19 targets he caught we have to talk about this yeah he caught 14 balls for 102 yards on 19 targets first round rookie wouldn't believe who this incredible receiver is he also rushed for 40 yards on 14 carries it's Najee Harris this was insane usage like broken big Ben 
Broken Big Ben led to just an explosion of fantasy points for Najee Harrison. Uh, I, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty impressed with what he was able to do on these targets as well. You know, normally um, you you don't see uh, a nice yards perception average uh, from you know a bigger back like Harris, but you know he had a couple big receptions, uh, one over 20 yards, and so so to break the century mark. And, and really emerge as the preferred checkdown option is huge as long as the team doesn't uh, feel forced to go away from Big Ben. Now, an embarrassing uh, home loss to division rival Cincy, who you're accustomed to, to just whooping on, might be something that causes them to you know reconsider their stance on, on Roethlisberger's health and, and whether he's the right guy. But for now, they are going to be stuck in checkdown mode. They're not going to be forcing you know the ball down the field and chucking it. Deontay Johnson being out, um, certainly takes away one of the guys who's you know typically running some some of those crossers and some of those uh, perimeter comeback routes and 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 opens it up for Harris. We also saw another interesting um, thing take place. Something that that gets in my craw a little bit, and I know yours especially as a fan of this player. Chase Claypool just dominated targets over Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, Claypool saw 15 targets, and Juju just four. In a game, in a game where Roethlisberger throws it fifty-eight times, and the Steelers trail uh, wire to wire, Juju Smith-Schuster sees just four targets. It, it really made no sense to me. Um, so that that's pretty concerning. He's he's difficult to trust. I mean, if you if you draft him, you're you're probably starting him because you're you're always going to be comparing his name and his potential upside to kind of the also ran waiver claim fodder wide receivers but it's very disappointing for a player we thought you know might have kind of sneaky mid wide receiver two upside uh in a game where he should have smashed sans deontay johnson um Najee, you were one of Najee's biggest fans i think uh the, the two of us were the stubborn ones that they kept him at rb1 i don't know that i feel super great about what he's shown as a rusher even with a bad steelers offensive line he still looks a little bit indecisive and ineffective um but this receiving usage is pretty darn exciting, Dave. Anything to add about Najee? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, one of the things that I think that you saw at Alabama in in like some of those awesome, fantastic plays that he had, he actually was able to do as a receiver. So I think it would be awesome if he's able to continue this momentum, the 100-plus yard game. Probably shouldn't expect something like this all the time, but to see him be able to have a performance like this so early on is always a good sign. Um, So it is pretty encouraging. I will say at this point, like you alluded to, the rushing hasn't been quite as fantastic as I would have hoped. Uh, And then also on the Juju side, obviously we do need to caveat here that he went out uh, in the third quarter with a rib injury, which did lower the target total. Uh, But again, you know, if you make it to that point in the game with just four targets, you know, not the type of volume I would have liked to have seen still haven't gone through and watched the entire replay to know exactly how uh, the targets all played out. But it does sound like there's a lot of concern about Ben Roethlisberger, which obviously does not work well for any of the players there, Juju included. Another one, one last note to add on the Steelers, because when, when a team's in shambles and looking for, you know, any type of solution, um, we could see some depth chart stuff come into play. And, and at least from a usage de- uh, perspective, um, Pat Fryermuth, five targets, Eric Ebron, just three, Ebron catches none of his targets. Fryermuth puts up uh, a three for 22 line with, with a receiving touchdown, um, the lone touchdown for the Steelers on the day. 
Um, so that's kind of a, you know, rookie, a rookie status alert um, to, to keep in mind. You know, we just talked about Kyle Pitts and, and what he's doing in Atlanta, but perhaps uh, Pat Fryermuth uh, will be able to put up a little bit of a fight here in terms of uh, interest at the tight end position from the rookies. For sure. So there's one more intriguing thing, a um, little bit unfortunate as well from over the weekend, Curtis, that I want to get to when we pop back to the NFC, uh, which which is where we are now, right? Because you just uh, brought up Pittsburgh. So obviously we have to talk about the injury to Christian McCaffrey and what mm. the implication of that is. So after he went out on the Thursday night game, he had had seven rushes at that point, seen two targets. Chuba Hubbard finishes with 11 rushes. Royce Freeman actually gets five. Royce Freeman with a target and then Hubbard with three targets. So at this point, it looks like the Panthers are expecting to have Christian McCaffrey back in advance of three weeks as they haven't placed him on the IR. Uh, As a point of reference last year in games where McCaffrey was unavailable, um, Mike Davis saw nearly 16 expected points per game, uh, 13 and a half rushes, and then 4.7 targets. So it was interesting to me, Curtis, that we already saw um, a fairly even split. Well, I guess it wasn't fairly even. I was just surprised to see Royce Freeman get worked in the way that he did. Um, I think that this signals at least at this point, the team is not planning on going Chuba full out um, if McCaffrey is to miss an extended period of time. Uh, Nonetheless, though, if he were available on your waiver wire, I think that he's a guy you probably uh, certainly want to add. But the timeline, it's hard to know what to make of it, seeing as they didn't place McCaffrey on IR. Uh, In terms of how effective of a player it looks like he'll be, I think that what we saw last year with Mike Davis was a situation where he got off to a real hot start and then kind of quieted it down. So as a result of that, I don't think that I'm going to come out and rule that whoever the back is in this offense behind McCaffrey automatically elevates to being this tremendous player that's a locked in, maybe even RB2. The potential is there. Uh, But at this point, when you think about all of that, that we don't know too much about the injury. I think that we probably need to have the discussion about how much or how aggressive people should be about going in and getting him. Cause I don't think we're looking at the type of player that's setting up at least right now to be a league winner or anything like that. Are we talking about Hubbard or Freeman here specifically? Let's talk about Hubbard in specific. Okay. Uh, yes. I, I, I think I disagree a little bit. Um, okay. uh, I, so I think over the next three weeks, I think Hubbard will be, a top 16 running back. Okay. Um, and, and I think, I mean, I think I'm being pretty conservative there. Uh, he, he looks more explosive, um, which is consistent with what we saw in college than, than Royce Freeman. Um, I think the team did need to see what they had in Royce Freeman to understand. Okay. So all of a sudden these guys are, you know, you know, Freeman's taken less reps with the team, obviously, you know, just recently joining them, um, in practice, they had an idea of what they had with Hubbard. I think there's, I've seen speculation when the, the Freeman was signed that maybe the team wasn't comfortable with what they had in Hubbard, but he got the first cracks uh, and he looked reasonably effective in the role. He was with the team um, all summer. When we've seen Royce Freeman thus far in his career, he looks like kind of just a well-rounded guy that um, yep. 
he doesn't really add anything. I mean, he's, he's just a plotter. Um, he, now he's, he can be a three down plotter. I mean, he's reasonably, um, talented as a receiver. He had soft hands. I mean, he has the four years worth of starting experience in college. Um, and, and I mean, I kind of liked him as a prospect, uh, you know, with his big size and everything, but we have, we have a sample there. Um, and, and with Hubbard, you know, we have far less of a sample, but, um, he looks pretty exciting. And I think over the next three weeks, he's really, he's a must like auto start guy. I mean, like I would start him over Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, not, not that Zeke is tearing it up this year, but I mean, like, it's just a no brainer. Like I, this week, this week, regardless of what he does tonight against the Eagles, I mean, Hubbard would be a player that I think has a better chance at alpha usage each week for Carolina. Carolina's offense is scoring. Um, and you know, Hubbard's going to get those touchdown opportunities. Um, and from a Freeman perspective, I still think he's worth a claim because if I'm wrong and the team does go 50, 50 timeshare and Freeman looks better with a week, you know, preparing as a, um, complimentary, you know, starter, you know, what have you, uh, I mean, it still makes sense to try to roster that player. The team has said they hope McCaffrey will be back in three weeks and, you know, he's avoiding the IR stint. So that gives us a, a sense of the timeline. But the reason I think that you want exposure to Hubbard or Freeman is, I mean, how confident will the team be giving McCaffrey back, you know, his, his bell cow usage coming off a soft tissue injury, you know, when he also missed all of last season, uh, will they, will they handle him a little bit more gingerly uh, moving forward, at least until he proves it. So like if Hubbard does come out and slay, I, I mean, I would think that if they get up to a big lead, uh, you know, perhaps that they put McCaffrey on ice in those games um, or, if, you know, perhaps, you know, some of this between the twenties work, you know, goes to one of the other backs and they put McCaffrey in when they're, you know, in the scoring area. So who knows what will happen? Matt rule has shown that he's willing to adjust the offense. He's willing to adjust usage. We've seen it happen with Robbie Anderson's work going to Terrace Marshall um, so far this season. And I think he's an innovative guy who's going to play the play the players that give him the best chance to win. So if Hubbard is somehow available in your league, I would be very comfortable. I mean, you're going to have to be super aggressive. Like, I mean, it's probably going to take, it's going to take post week one, Elijah Mitchell money to get, um, to get Chuba Hubbard, like 50% plus, uh, And you should probably pay more than that. But Royce Freeman's probably worth a 10% bid um, in your league as well. Just on the off chance, I'm wrong. Because if I am wrong, I'll be wrong in a big way. And Freeman, you know, Freeman would be, um, you know, an important fantasy asset. So, yeah, I, I, I'm on board with the going after Freeman. It sounds like you might be more willing to go for a much higher percentage uh, percentage of budget than I would. I do think, though, the point that you raise about McCaffrey and how often he's or how, you know, how much he's going to get used by the team. And then also it's possible too, even if he does come back, we then see him miss additional time. I think those are all fair points. Uh, so, you know. I guess people are just going to have to kind of pick and choose what they do with that, depending on what's going on in their league. <laughs> uh, confirm- there was confirmation bias in there for everyone. It just depends yes. on which, uh, <laughs> which piece of the segment you like the best. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I think we have to hit one more AFC team before we are done. Yeah, I want to talk about the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos are 3-0. I would have never guessed that. Um, and and th- it's also a really interesting offense to, to cut up here because, you know, Jerry Judy... Is, is, is out. And then we just learned today that KJ Hamler has torn his ACL. Um, man, it's devastating. I hate to see this, uh, you know, two really young, exciting receivers who, you know, have the early parts of their career impacted here. Um, 
we saw Tim Patrick, even in a game where they didn't really need to to pass very much, Tim Patrick ends up um, equaling Cortland Sutton uh, with you know 20% target market share on the game. There were 25 passing attempts. Each of them saw uh, you know five targets. Patrick actually uh, pacing the team in receiving yards. You know five for five for 98 ends up being his line. I wouldn't read too much into Noah Fant having a little bit of a stinker here. Just three targets, uh, two receptions for 15 yards. This game was over. You know at at the starters pistol basically and they didn't need to pass um you know really ever they probably could have run it every play and beat this hapless jets team i mean this is really sad um looking at what what new york is doing um so anyway uh, melvin gordon and javante williams both get in um gordon still looks like he's the more effective runner but we do see javante williams adding three receptions uh for 33 yards i think that's a that's a positive development out targeted uh, Gordon in this contest and you know if he can carry that forward I think probably both of these backs look like they're startable uh, low-end RB2s you know on a weekly basis um, Fant even on his uh, I know I'm, I'm darting around here a little bit but I'm <laughs> getting to Albert Akui Boonham here um, you know he had looked like he you know maybe would even be a streamable tight end two option even in an offense where no Fant already exists I think uh you know, that's still a possibility here. The team will have to figure out what they want to do. Um, what might make some sense would be to play more 12 personnel. You go Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, and then you also get Fant and Okuibunum on the field together a little bit more often. So we'll have to look at that going into week four. It's going to be important to kind of listen to the coaching press conferences and see if they tip their hand. Um, but in, in, in deeper, uh, it, like in tight end premium or start two tight end or deeper leagues, I mean, Okuibunum could be, um, a streamable starter and he's probably worth an ad as by potential bi-week coverage um, e- even in a, a single tight end non-tight end premium format if if your waiver wire is just completely devoid of options um, he's looked like one of the preferred red zone targets and uh, just I think on the off chance that the team changes their usage of the two players moving forward he'd be a nice stash to have and you can probably get him for just a dollar fab And it's really exciting to see the Broncos offense and team itself start to be able to put together not only some fun fantasy performances, but start winning some games. It's a team where we've seen talent there now for a couple of years and just want to see it get harnessed. Uh, So also great to see Teddy Bridgewater stepping into the situation as well. Tim Patrick, I think a player that has shown in the past, he can be very useful Mm -hmm. when given opportunity. Uh, So I like you calling him out there, which brings us Curtis talking about guys on the waiver wire i have a couple of names i'll let you start though yeah yeah that actually that's strategically why i'm ending with the the broncos here i I think tim patrick is other than hubbard on the off chance he's available and again i really don't think he's going to be available in too many leagues um perhaps in in short bench uh casual type leagues but i I think our listeners are, are probably not in a lot of those other than maybe their home league tim patrick is definitely a priority uh, waiver uh, option this week. Um, like you said, he's produced in the past um, when been, when he's been called upon. And he's now, I mean, he's the wide receiver too for the foreseeable future. I mean, at least probably for the next month, he's the wide receiver too on this team. Um, and uh, they look good. They're going to have scoring chances. And, you know, he, he got just as many looks as Cortland Sutton uh, the first time, you know, that the team really needed needed him to show up. So uh, Patrick, it, definitely a weekly wide receiver, three, four. I know that's a long list of guys. Um, 
you know, but he's not just a possession type receiver either. I mean, he's capable of, of big plays. And, you know, I think that you can pencil him in in that, you know, 10 to 13 PPR range each week and feel pretty good about it. I mean, definitely uh, in the picture for, you know, weekly flex startability. Um, I, I want to add one last comment. I mean, un, under I wonder what odds you could have gotten that the, the Broncos would have ever been two games up on the Chiefs at any point in the season. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Just to kind of point back to your comment about them being three, and zero. so, um, Patrick, uh, let me, let me come up with a number here. I think it's, it's probably, you know, there are a lot of wide receivers, obviously that, that you can stream and you can go matchup base and we have matchup based content on the site, um, every single week. Uh, and, and also, you know, your article series, Dave, uh, going deep also, um, unearths some of those guys that we can use each week that comes out uh, typically on Fridays. But Patrick, I feel pretty good about um, versus the, you know, the, the churn that I might have to use on, on my bench if I don't get a guy like him. So I would probably spend in the 10 to 15% fab range for a player like this who uh, has proven he can do it in the past. Yeah, definitely. Um, two names. One of them we already mentioned, Peyton Barber. I am not sure across leagues if he's available at this point. Um, you know, definitely in home leagues, I think he's he's possibly at play. I would spend a decent percentage. Did I just lose my microphone again? Oh, no, nope, I still have it. All right, good. Um, I, I would maybe go like 15% on him, honestly, in some mm. leagues, because I think there's going to be some value there. Another name, if Christian Kirk is still hanging out on a waiver wire in a league, I definitely think he's a super interesting name to go after. Uh, there is probably going to be some competition in your mind each week if, if it's a Christian Kirk week or a Rondale Moore week, but I think yeah. that's fine. Still makes him an intriguing ad. And then the other name, a player I talked about during the summer, who I think that you can start to use as a potential tight end streamer, could perhaps even have some value. Dawson Knox had a good game over the weekend. I will admit only a 10% target share, uh, but being in that Bills offense, I think keeps him relevant. Um, over the weekend, got his first touchdown of the season, had four receptions. Uh, so, you know, just a name to keep in mind, almost, fit, yeah, 49 yards, just another name to keep in mind now that you might be looking for some depth at tight end. I like that Dawson Knox call. Um, we did talk about him. He's, he's basically doing what, you know, we said he would do. I mean, he's a good yep. weekly bet for a touchdown and an offense that, you know, should score a lot of them. Um, he, he's not going to be dependable from a volume perspective, but if you're covering an injury um, or, you know, you're in a tight end premium league, you know, on the weeks where he does do more than just score, you know, a short touchdown on just a handful of looks, uh, he could be a real asset for you. Um, I've been starting him in, uh, on one of my Kings Classic uh, teams, a really competitive 14-team industry league. And, uh, you know, he hasn't really disappointed um, there. He's doing, doing enough to give me more than, more than a zero. And, you know, he's shown up uh, <laughs> once in a big way and uh, uh, better than average uh, in one of his other weeks. So uh, I like that call. And Knox is a player. Again, you know, we talked about, Okui Boonham is maybe, you know, a $1 player. You know, this is an opportunity for you to stack your waiver bids. You just put a bid in on each one of those guys for a buck, prioritize Knox because he's the true starter right now. And if you miss out at a dollar, then Okui Boonham's your, your backup. For sure. All right. Well, Curtis, you and I will be back tomorrow. 
And uh, then we'll have another episode coming out later in the week. So as always, appreciate everybody listening in with us and we will talk with you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.